0: G'day listeners, Aaron here. Before we begin, I've recently been on a rampage fixing the volume levels across all the episodes. So if you find this episode or any of the others to be too loud or even too quiet... Please hit us up on the Twitters at Thrash and, and let us know. So you might have noticed that I've recently swapped over the end theme with the beginning theme, so now episodes start off a lot nicer. So we just want to make this the best possible show for you guys and to honour these remarkable guests. And speaking of which, on with the show. Welcome to the
1: Blooming League of Original
0: Podcasts. Day and welcome to another super edition of Thrash and Treasure, the Torture Chamber Musical Comedy Podcast, where we only serve beer on tap that tastes like a puddle of mud. And speaking of tap that, yeah, you would, (laughs) because I'm Aaron and I'm joined as usual by my co-host. And if he were a Spice Girl, he'd be try so hard spice. No, wait he'd be bread spice it's evan (laughs) the metal man how you doing good how's the weather today because we're storming here so if i drop out mate it's all on your shoulders no it's sunny in wa as usual it's um i'm expecting it to suddenly flood at any second the backyard is already one big giant puddle but anyways guess what what we have another marvelous diva in the studio today and as guardians go She's ready to Ragnarok our realm. So dim the lights, because we're low-key excited to be joined by a spunky croonster who went to soldier herself into the spotlight as a sweet 16-year-old when her soulful sound sent Stan straight to the SMS, which subsequently shuttled this songstress from the semi-finals to the top 10 of the second season of Australian Idol, de-shackling us all so we could bear witness to this apple of our isle, growing to one hell of a gorgeous gal who gained the Alex's gaze as a giggling golden Asgardian god who grasped Scourge's gaze before Cockblocker Thor and his slimy head ruined the orgy party. Oops, I mean party. And whilst this tremendous Tassie talent was seen and not heard in the MCU, I heard she would be seen in The Invisible Man until she sadly turned all titular and disappeared. But luckily, (laughs) this multifaceted artist caught the hungry gaze of crocodiles with her recent role as Dinner in Blackwater Abyss But to have a love of monsters only helped her as Ava in Love and Monsters before bouncing back in time and blossoming in bloom, plus battling the brainy brats on Australia's brainiest kid, as well as the slimy sea creatures of Summer Bay. It was no surprise to anyone to see her pop into Wakefield for some serious therapy. Odin, she left her mark on season six of The X Factor, proving exactly why she's the golden idol. So, please help me in saying a huge g'day to this vivacious Valkyrie with velvety vocals as Diva ventures into our torture chamber after letting us use her song, Knock You Out, on the Bloop Network. And thankfully, she is here today to knock us out because she's the absolutely astonishing actress, singer, songwriter, and cinematic final girl. She's a Marley Golden. Yay! Welcome to the torture chamber.
2: <laughs> that was amazing.
0: That was a disaster. <laughs> For those listeners at home, I got my pages all mixed up. One was left across the room, so that was just completely. It
2: was part of the thrill. It was part of the thrill for me. No, that was good. That actually, it walked me down memory lane, some of those things that I'd forgotten about.
0: Yes, I have um, been down a little trip down memory lane, revisiting some of your Idol performances lately. Oh yeah. When was the last time you checked them out?
2: Um, it's been a while. It's been a long while, actually. Probably a few years at least. Yeah. Oh, actually, I did see um, shackles on. Do you follow? Uh, what are they called? I've forgotten what they're called now. This meme page of Australian Idol memes. And there was a meme about when you convert to Hillsong to get the free rats. And it was me singing Shackles. <laughs> that was the most recent.
0: I don't love that song. Funnily enough, um, I've talked about it on this show. I was a Christian. I think at the time that song was released, I had been baptised. They tried to pray the gay out of me. They did a fantastic job at that. But that was <laughs> our song. Like that was this hit song in the charts that we're selling our religion well sorry not our religion our spirituality our belief system whatever bullshit we tried to sell to people to get them to come in and they'd say I don't do religion oh it's not a religion it's a fucking religion tell you that it's a business anyways (laughs) um,
2: yeah I didn't even know to be honest didn't work on me because I didn't even know it was about religion at the time
0: didn't you Uh, because you're only 16 (laughs) weren't you
2: yeah, I yeah. was just a sweet 16 that just liked the tune.
0: Because there was both yourself and Casey. And um, i got to say that that season two, that was the best lineup that we had. Yeah. Um, I watched Blackwater Abyss and you are officially a cinematic final girl. Congratulations. Yep.
2: It's true, yeah.
0: That is a, an illustrious club. It is. so. I was surprised. Yep.
2: Spoiler alert.
0: Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry for anyone out there. I, I was expecting you to get eaten that whole time. Were you? I, I was. I'd already written that intro beforehand. Oh,
2: right. Yeah. Okay. It's a classic tale, though, the cinematic final girl.
0: It is. Plus,
2: it? I had that baby to worry about. I feel like they wouldn't have wanted to kill off the baby. That's another spoiler, but yeah, you know, I feel like if you haven't seen it by now.
0: No, it's... um, I sort of spoiled it for myself because... There was one scene where you're about to jump in the water and I'm like, I'm pretty cool with horror movies, but I just wanted to know in advance if this was where you were going to get eaten. Yeah. And the first thing I accidentally read was something about an affair. Uh. And I'm like, oh, great. So you're definitely going to get eaten now because you're the villain, aren't you? You're, the, you know what I mean? Like, but you both were the final girl and that was a surprise, to be honest. Yeah. So I knew Luke Mitchell was going to go because he's the one that was cheating obviously he was painted as the Lothario if you will um but the the so-called leading female yeah I, I um and then when she got eaten I thought oh shit and you're the final girl and then she come out of the water and I was so disappointed I really was because why? why why did they save her <laughs> why like that was that that just completely shit on the trope because that's that's what this is the trope that we have been fighting against for years, isn't it? That oh, I, look, I don't mean to bring race into it, but it's the pretty white girl who always fucking survives in the end, basically. And mm, mm, yeah, that's what when I saw it, I like good on him, good on because it's about fucking time. But not only that, the, the final girl is our guest, so I got really excited. And then she popped out of the water, didn't she? How did that gun go off in the water?
2: <laughs> look. Don't ask any questions. I, I don't have the answers to
3: them. Depends what kind of gun. Some guns can fire underwater. A random <laughs> gun that some dude had in his
0: car. Some bloody they were they were all spelunkers. Was it a handgun? Yeah. Yeah, it
2: was a handgun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good luck finding one of those that'll fire underwater. There's no way that no. that gunpowder. That gunpowder, and they bring it out of the thing and, and they're getting attacked by the car. It was total bullshit. I'm like, just either eat you both yeah. or let that other bitch die. Anyways, we're going to move on quickly.
2: But it's kind of good, though, because, I mean, you were surprised at least.
0: Yeah, but not in a good way. I was disappointed because I wanted you to... <laughs> to be the the final yeah. girl the only final girl there.
2: yeah oh. i needed someone to help me raise that baby though
0: well that's true i don't think she's going to <laughs> i don't think she's going to i think she's taking you to court or something after that yeah or something to
2: custody you think mm. i
0: i don't know anything she'll find she's coming for revenge there's a slasher film after that yeah yeah she i
2: don't think she was over it
0: yeah no. still fresh no but anyways we're gonna move on to metal have you had much experience with metal
2: I mean, I said to you, I don't feel like I know anything about metal or musical theatre. That's why I'd be a perfect guest for this podcast. Yeah. But I realised I'd heard Stink Fist before the first track.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thought um, so you were reading my Grinder messages for a minute. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like actually, when I thought about it, there's a bunch of bands that I listened to growing up, especially having two older brothers. So yeah, I'm not averse to metal.
0: Um, well, that makes one of us. So Evan <laughs> this week chose the the metal album and I'm going to quickly run through my review and then um, did it. Oh, firstly, what would be in your rock star rider? your most outrageous rock star writer, if you could, like I'm talking over the top, uh, yeah. nothing sensible.
2: Yeah. Recently I heard, and I mean, it could, could be bullshit, but it could be true that Elton John had um, them recreate a beach backstage for his one of his Australian tours. He wanted it to be like the beach. So I would totally steal that. That's amazing.
3: It sounds true, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, it sounds 100% verifiable yeah. for sure. It was a pretty good sauce, but I won't, I won't add them.
0: That is awesome. I would want everyone's fried chicken and lasagna recipes, especially from their grandparents.
2: So do you have to make it though?
0: No, I just want the recipes so I can look through and decide
3: when I want to make them, which recipe <laughs> I get to make. You want all the crew and staff yeah. at the venue to hand over their grandmother's recipes yeah
0: yeah do you know how many people will (laughs) say to you oh I make the best lasagna and they go there and it's fucking old leather and you're like nah man this is not the lasagna I signed up for so I want to choose thank you very much I want a choice in that one person served me lasagna that didn't even have meat I was so insulted it had spinach like I'm not fucking Popeye for crying out loud who does that
2: (laughs) I feel like the carbs are what matter yeah. to me in a lasagna.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and and well, yeah. I, I need the meat and the tomato. Lots of tomato? Because if there's not enough, mm. then it just tastes weird. But, anyways, I'm going to run through my review because, Evan, <laughs> you chose Tool. If I can find my actual review,
3: that's one page. Yes, we finally got around to Tool.
2: Yeah, I was actually happy because I feel like this is an album that everyone talks about all the time. And I finally just had the time to dedicate to listen to it.
0: Yeah, well, I have lots to say about it. <laughs> so would you like to hear my review oh yeah oh please yeah when I first saw the cover I didn't quite know what was happening but then I saw the track list and immediately track five stuck out among a bunch of needlessly vulgar titles 46 and two my numerical OCD tells me this is wrong but also acceptable as how do you choose does it be track six or track two or track 40 so I chose to shed all pretense, open my mind to this youthful band, pressed play on the spode to the tiffy, and decided to give my review some serious thought. Here's what happened. Track one, Stingfist, started, and I thought, hmm. But once eulogy started, I was like, hmm. But during track H, titled three, I thought, Hmm. Hmm. But track four left me like... As I wondered, what if, nah, it couldn't possibly be about me, I'm not at all useful. So tracks five to seven were lost in thoughts of my own lack of purpose, which helped me form angsty critical thoughts once the intermission hit. As act two began, I pondered, hmm... Until track 14 snapped me out of my thought train. Well, more like a roller coaster than a train. But I digress. What was I saying? Oh yeah, it turns out yet again, I've outsmarted these tricksy bands and managed to skip the unnecessary track 14 and its unnecessary noise. But then my eyes started twitching as track 15 came into view. Third eye. That makes all three eyes twitch. As for the music... I had so many thoughts, but didn't pay attention. Oh, God. Three and a half stars. I'm kidding. <laughs> I did. I, I actually, that wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting something like, rah, 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 like even worse than just gra But that was kind of melodic and experimental and strange. So Though the song titles don't impress me. That noise as well, track 14, that can go. Your brother <laughs> tried that on me, I think, with um, one of our guests in the past. I don't remember what band it was. I skipped that track. I'm nah. smart enough to know as soon as 30 seconds of white noise plays, I'm smart enough to know that people are being a
3: dick. <laughs> Early 90s, it was the advent, um, and Ivana did this as well, it was the advent of five, six-disc CD changes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So people, you know, you load up party music, yes. you get your five CDs in, and then it hits like two minutes of silence. Yeah, Just to fuck with those. Um, yeah, Nevada did it on their first pressing of Nevermind. There was only about 10,000 copies, but it was supposed to be across the board. The last track was a good freaking 10 minutes after the track before. Like there was this whopping great chunk of silence purely to mess with people with CD changes. And those are actually quite sought after. They're quite rare and expensive copies now because they only did 10, of them did but they? it was supposed to be everywhere oh wow yeah we had one that we had 25 and it did it took
0: forever for it to change over especially if you put it on random
2: oh that's so annoying
0: yeah it was awful it was, <laughs> it was it would have to, to go in and and then bring the other one out so that that's that's all you got out of the genius of tool i was expecting to hate it i really was but i didn't hate it i I had a lot of respect for it. It was a lot better than I was expecting, but it wasn't as good as Primus. Wow. Which was the last time I was expecting something that was going to piss me off, but it didn't. I actually kind of enjoyed
3: it. <laughs> wow. See, I would have thought this would fall right into your category of what you call stoner metal, where you come away going, that was trippy as hell.
0: Well, I said experimental, didn't I?
3: Yeah. That's... Yeah. yeah, you threw that in. And that's certainly the what they were
0: going for. Same area, if you will. I, I think of a more smarter word to
3: use. I'm dying of heat in this fucking room right now. And I'm glad there was a lot of thinking going on because the um, at the you know in the first few tracks where you're just thinking, um, it, it is often referred to as your thinking man's metal. Ah, no, I was just being a smart
0: ass there. Just, that was just a gimmick <laughs> for the review, Evan. Goodness oh. gracious me, you no, know, you no, know, by now. What's one way to give them my thoughts but not actually? given my thoughts and that is to think instead of speak so I'm trolling yeah anyway uh, Marley what did you think of this
2: back in the day like when Tool would tour Australia and stuff I remember that their tours would sell out in like seven seconds and stuff it was crazy and their fans are like absolutely obsessed with them so I knew that they were like a massive cult band I'd actually never really listened to tour before but I kind of was expecting it to be a bit pretentious because of all of everything that I'd heard but they've got like quite a hilarious sense of humor and there's a lot of funny sarcasm and interesting lyrics and stuff. I, I was a fan. I liked it. I wish I could hear, like I, I went deep and like started reading it about, because from the titles you're like, it's a bit off-putting. Yeah.
1: Of like
2: just <laughs> say the least, um, you know, like stink fist and, um, hooker with a penis. Like, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be for me. sounds um, yeah, but it was actually <laughs> yeah really interesting. Some of the themes and stuff were still really relevant. I was a fan.
0: Nice. Yeah, so I'm I'm with you on that. and That's why I brought up that I wasn't impressed or whatever I said about the song titles because I like them. To, if you're gonna be vulgar, be clever. Totally. That's what you got to. You got to be able to appeal to people who like juvenile humor as well as people who like yeah maybe more sophisticated humor because if you're gonna be able to make the sophisticated person or well, the I the pole up their ass person basically laugh with a vulgar joke then you've succeeded there in my opinion that's why the book of mormon
3: is so goddamn successful you you didn't think it was clever that like you know every verse the um the the arm got deeper the arm got what (laughs) well the first verse it's it's knuckle deep the second the second verse it's um elbow elbow deep and then it's then it's shoulder deep I don't know what show
0: you've been on, Evan, but I don't pay attention to the lyrics. <laughs> oh, you
3: <laughs> should have! Unfortunately, uh, the, yeah. Apparently, it's all about yeah. the lyrics. These he's so clever. Sorry. Yeah, and there's um, freaking Lateralus has a a song called "Prison Sex," which is about. Yeah, you know, child abuse.
0: Mm-hmm. That
3: that actually got that that got pulled. Like the video for that got banned. It is still
0: awkward for people to see, no matter how open minded people are to pop culture and stuff like that. It is, I think, probably worse than murdering somebody because you're essentially murdering their fucking spirit for the rest of their fucking lives. Mm.
3: So yeah, I can see why it was pulled, basically.
2: It's about his experience with child abuse though, isn't it?
3: Yeah, he's been quite vocal about his hatred of his stepfather, and that's about as far as he's really uh, elaborated. Um, mm. But yeah, well, certainly in, the, in that video.
0: Sorry, Evan, you've dropped out. Oh, you both have, which means I have. Oh, specifically. I think going... I'm back. No. I'm back. He's back.
3: Yeah, you're. Anyway, we're not we're not talking about Prince. You keep talking, Evan. I'll oh, shut up. All right i'll do me i'll do me tool bit right we finally got to tool thank god tool are fucking legends absolute geniuses i can't love tool <laughs> anymore i saw that i've seen them twice saw them in 2002 for um lateralis and i saw them in 2011 i think it um would have been melbourne big day out we actually flew to melbourne to go and see him let's see so yeah with well, this is their second album uh 1996 anima Anime. um technically it's three albums that no, it's Anima. It is. It's anime. I've watched interviews. They say Anima. Everyone else says Anima. I don't know where you got that from. It's wrong. So, yeah, they haven't produced a hell of a lot in their career. Like, they're still going. They released an album uh, last year. There's, but there's only five, technically five official studio albums. And then there's a couple of EPs and stuff in between. So they haven't been yeah. super productive. Although Maynard has gone and um, does The Perfect Circle as well. So he's been oh, quite okay. busy with that. Yeah. Um, they all sort of haul themselves around. But, um, yeah, they were formed in 1990 in Los Angeles. They've won four Grammys. The drummer is easily one of the best drummers in the world. He uses um, polyrhythms a fair bit where he'll be playing 4-4 four, four on the drums and then be playing 7 eights on the cymbals at the same time. And then we'll, that will cycle through until, like, the fifth bar at all matches up again he's a fucking genius i have no idea what you just said so clearly i'm not and <laughs> anyone with any musical knowledge would know what i'm talking about Wait, well would you like to explain to the morons that are me what that is they're very much like led zeppelin in that way where the drummer will be playing a different time signature as the bass player who'll be playing a different time signature as the guitarist and they'll all meet in the middle just say sondheim if you just say the time of metal uh, i man, will completely what understand
0: about. what you're talking about <laughs> (laughs) fair enough (laughs) and so will our theater
3: audience do you remember a band called green jelly
0: yes three little pigs oh my god i'm so disappointed you've asked this question because i was going to whip out my knowledge of them they're on my playlist
3: sorry go okay that's that's dana carey the drummer and keenan uh the singer is in green jelly on that track.
0: Oh, well, I'll have to boost it up to four stars, then I think for that. <laughs> yeah. I
3: love that. But yeah, their whole thing, as I messaged you this morning, they're visual artists as well. If you've ever seen any tool music videos, which you may have missed, they use a couple of different artists, Cam De Leon and Alex Gray. Um, and they do a lot all the cover work and a lot of the logos and they yep. the, you know contribute to the videos, and it's sort of added to their style, they have their own look and their own thing going on. The Nirvana album uh, in utero also used Alex Gray's artwork in the in the the muscle structure artwork in the liner notes. Um he's quite a popular guy for doing album art. But most of the videos are driven by the guitarist Adam Jones who funnily enough worked on Jurassic Park.
0: Oh. And- Really, I was gonna wear my dress like t
3: shirt, yeah. We, yeah. Oh. As I said, he's there's a link there to one of your favorite films. Adam Jones, the guitarist, you know, went to film school, film college, whatever. And some I don't know what capacity he worked for uh, on Jurassic Park, but he was there, you know, modeling dinosaurs or something. So their music videos are just mental, just in general you're just sitting there going what the hell is going on and again you can research the music videos they all have meanings behind them and they tell stories you've just got to dig a bit deeper but they're always really weird and out there and then the same with them being sort of visual artists as well the album originally came with a lenticular lens in the case where you'd pull the liner notes out and slide them in behind it and you get like these 3D effects. They always put a lot of effort into their packaging. You know, and then the next album had, again, like a skeletal structure. You could layer, you know, like a textbook where you could layer the circulatory system over and then you could layer the muscle system over. It's all very clever. The album was dedicated to Bill Hicks, who died, you know, about two and two and a half years earlier of pancreatic cancer, and they sampled him in the last track, uh, Third Eye. There's a line in there about, you know, all those drugs have done good things for, for the world, you know, all those. And he says something like, if you don't believe that, I want you to go home and get all your albums and burn them because all those artists that you love were real high on drugs. Yeah, well, it was the 60s and the 70s That's,
0: and the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and 2010s and the 2020s. Yeah,
3: even jazz. Jazz, Jazz, they were
0: high as a fucking guy.
3: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, Stinkfist got pulled off, um, off MTV for being offensive. They edited it, censored it, and then renamed it as track one just to play the video. But MTV did that. Not at all. Oh, okay. Thoroughly pissed them off.
0: Well, yeah. yeah. Don't tamper with a bloody
3: artist's work, people. Don't mess with it, yeah.
0: Gonna go paint eyebrows on the Mona Lisa.
3: You were way off with 46 and 2, by the way. 46 and 2 is about the fact that we have 46 chromosomes as humans. And the theory is in our evolutionary scale, one day we'll have two more chromosomes. The 46 and 2. What was I wrong about then? Oh, you were talking about track listings, yeah. whether it was number four, five, or two.
0: No, I didn't say four or five. I said two, six, or forty. That was the joke. You completely missed it. There is no track forty. <laughs> None of the jokes landed, clearly. Anyways.
3: But yeah, well, not on this album, but another thing I think would appeal to you is the actual song Lateralis on the album Lateralis. The number of syllables per line correspond to the arrangement of the Fibonacci numbers yeah so they love their patterns they love playing with numbers and like you could deep dive into nearly every song and there's meanings behind everything
2: yeah even when i was reading about the album i was like oh god this is like scratching the surface there's so much to this album yeah and i did see a mention of that fibonacci sequence thing um they obviously love easter eggs for their fans i can see why the fans are so rabid yeah
3: and of course you know things like i think it was uh, uh, the song Arnimar itself is going on about when the big one finally hits California, it breaks off or LA breaks off into the ocean. And, you know, he'll see you in um, freaking Alabama Bay.
2: Arizona Bay?
3: Arizona Bay. Yeah. you know, it started with an A. Yeah. So in the meantime, you better learn to swim. Yeah. That's, I just, the lyrics, it, he's a genius. It, it, the whole band of geniuses, all in their own right. And, and they, I did actually really enjoy this week Because I went through and listened Start to finish the whole back catalogue mm-hmm. Of course I've heard anyway But it was nice to hear the progression Like the first two albums Well the, the EP and the first album Are really audience oriented, Mosh pit type songs to, to get the crowd going But it was with this they, this album They really sat down and went We want to create soundscapes And uh, you know a feeling in each song Rather than please the crowd. That way it went for bloody 70 minutes per track. Yeah, which, funnily enough, it was, I think it was 116 minutes, which, which guess what, is two seconds less than what a CD can hold.
2: Yeah, I was wondering about that. I thought it was only eighty minutes. Oh,
3: is it? Yeah, they've done that with um with nearly all of their albums. Just filled with as much music as possible. I think that was about it. They're geniuses. They're fucking legends. Um, <laughs> I've seen them live. The live show is nuts. They have you know contortionists climbing the rigging, tying themselves in knots on stage in gimp suits, and it's all
0: theatrical, very
3: dark and foreboding, and
0: theatrical.
3: Theatrical, very theatrical. Yet
0: again, theatrical. That's why we do this show.
3: Yeah. They're they're visual artists as well as musical artists. And they're just just so goddamn clever. But, yeah, I, I went back and listened to the start. So, yeah, the first two albums are very quite rocky. This one gets very experimental. And they've continued it on, really. Like the next album, Lateralis, again, has only got a couple of good bangers on it. The rest are sort of experimental sounds. And then it gets worse from there. Um, 10,000 days no one was really fan of because they continued being experimental and weird and, and nearly you know middle eastern egyptian sounding with tabla's and interesting and, you know sort of tribal instruments and all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff going on the latest album they're trying to sort of pull it back a bit but it's still very much like this but Arnima was the one where they nailed it it was it's nice sort of 50-50 kick ass blow the audience away compared to creating soundscapes and interesting Themes and ideas. So, yeah, it's all. fucking legends. They should have got a five out of five. Well, they didn't.
2: Are they your number one?
3: No, Primus is.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm more loyal to Primus. I don't know what, what it is, but just, it's close though. It's close. You shouldn't have almost died that episode then. You would have been there for the five or. <laughs> yeah, I know. I missed Primus. That's bullshit. I was in hospital. I finally get to pick oh. something I love and I ended up in hospital for three weeks. Oh, no. No. be careful Watch your wish for kids <laughs> that's the lesson in that
0: yeah no look i i did enjoy it and as usual listen to it a fair bit but i don't know like maybe i just needed something a little bit more catchy primus was more catchy and i think that's why that yeah they... that got more excitement out of me just like faith no more they were kind of catchy as well mm. without sounding like i don't know every queen song or something
3: yeah they're still very experimental but yeah you've got an audience to play for and you know you don't want to get bored and going back to the bar you know certainly the mosh pits of tool are some of the harshest mainly because they get really messy because a lot of people don't know how to mosh to it you know lose the timings and you it's just <laughs> ends up as this, a sea of mess
0: so you need a bit you of know. catchiness that is hilarious
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> they don't know how to dance to the polyrhythms that's
0: it yeah, exactly
3: <laughs> yeah
0: you know that's what um the boxer reuben carter said about the bob dylan song that he wrote about him the hurricane he said it's a great song but i can't
3: dance to it (laughs) no god i've just given you the whole history pretty much um they're very they're very private band there's not a huge amount of um interviews out there uh they really do like their privacy and they're very nope i've gone very serious. Um, and you've gone again.
0: No, I'm back. No, I'm gone. All right, let's let's move on
3: because this has been a disaster so far. Yeah, I pretty much I pretty much um you know down tools. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Oh, they
3: were they were pretty cool. We'll, we'll cover them again, I guess. The only other bit was when they uh, won their first Grammy. The drummer thanked his parents for putting up with him and he thanked Satan and then the bass player said I want to thank my dad for doing it to my mum oh isn't that sweet (laughs)
0: beautiful
3: that is so sweet
2: lovely
0: sentiment yep that's what we want to um, be thinking about right now anyways I think the tool has been used which was the worst part I could have possibly prepared to say (laughs) after you telling that story goodness me and we'll be back in after the <laughs> ad break now that everything is all awkward.
1: Coming this summer, winter, spring, or fall. The first ever musical theater sitcom where you go behind the scenes of the latest West End show, the Fossy Forest Ballet.
3: Where's the important stuff? <laughs> A thousand pound a week ensemble rate. Ah, that's what Mamma Mia likes.
1: Starring Philip Joel and a West End cast featuring Carrie Alice, Darren Day, Louise Demon, and Oliver Saville, and more. It all started in 1987
0: when I was a jobbing actress working in a diner.
3: Yeah, it's just I, I had a really bad experience when I was touring Australia with a wombat.
1: <gasps> Darling! Mwah, 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 la. How long have I been mentoring you? Three months. Two years. So, her name is Henrietta. The horse. Yes. I've managed to secure you an audition for the biggest, most innovative and the latest show to be going into the West End. <laughs> Joseph and his colour dream Dreamcoat. Think more along the lines of Pent. Frozen much of this episode for the price of a coffee simply go to www.thefussyforestbelly.com. any and all profits go back to theater charities acting for others and the theater's trust you'll laugh you'll cry and you'll see a grown man in sparkly tights tight nights nice tight <laughs>
0: Alrighty, you're listening to Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Evan, and we are joined by the beautiful Amalie Golden, Australian idol and movie star, member of the MCU. She's an Asgardian goddess and everything. Goodness gracious me, remember when you were just a little sweet 16-year-old on our TV screens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it was a big deal back then, but now, like, all the tweens and chains, yeah. they're a different breed these days. They're ready
0: for the stage. Yeah. Oh, look, they're, No. They're, they're, what they're ready for is for the attention. Well, they think they're ready for the attention. They, they want the attention. Whether or not they're ready for it is another matter.
2: Yeah, Every team's like that. I was like that too.
0: Yeah. At least you sort of, yeah. you had a bit of time between auditioning, getting in, going to Sydney, and then sort of, there was at least four or five months, was it, between that? Actually, I auditioned for that season. Did you? I'd gone along to the audition in 2004. We'd gotten there really early, but then they ran out of forms. So we got given this sheet to say thank you, but please come back. Right? As we were going to the tram stop, some girl said to us, I don't want to audition. Do you want our sheet? And there was four of us. So we went to the news agency, had it photocopied. We got a blue pen. (laughs) We tried to cover over the, the stamp because it was gray on the um the (laughs) photocopying we got there waited back in line we got up to the desk finally at maybe three o'clock in the afternoon and then we're standing there and everything was fine and my friend turned around and said oh yeah we had to photocopy the other ones because there was only one Uh and then because myself and my friend well there was two boys and two girls Me and the other boy, we we were punks at the time with mohawks and leather jackets and ripped jeans and tartan pants underneath the ripped jeans and Doc Martin boots. And we got kicked out, whereas (laughs) the two girls got to stay, but we got kicked out. Oh, what a surprise. Um, So that was, yes, I say I auditioned for Australian Idol. (laughs) Didn't get through the door. But I didn't get to. (laughs) Unfortunately, I wouldn't have got in. I didn't know I I got through the door thank you very much
2: well you got in the door
0: yeah yeah I, I yeah, got one in... foot in the door, and we're promptly shown the door. Yeah, I got into the cattle shed. There wasn't enough meat, I guess. So I got put out to pasture. <laughs> anyway, so we'll move on because we're going to do the musical now. And that was 2004. And that same year was when Mean Girls came out, which is why I chose this musical. Uh, that's pretty much the only reason why I chose this musical. Is it? Is that the same year? 2004, yeah. Are You sure? Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. Oh, uh, the film? Yeah.
2: I feel like I have to even Google it. I don't believe you
0: yeah that's <laughs> fine everyone questions me and turns around yeah. how did you know that and that's because i'm a loser no
2: shit 18
3: years old
0: yeah
2: yeah Wow.
0: the mean girls are old enough to drink in australia
2: <laughs> that's crazy what a film
0: yes no i know i'm halfway through it again i realize that's it's luckily mean is in the title because there are a lot of really really mean jokes in there there's a lot of sort of racial jokes and um, weight jokes, if you will. I'm, I'm not going to say that they're attacks or anything because that's sort of the point of the story. That's the context of yeah. them being mean. Mm. That's why all the girls have to sit there and go through that whole thing where they're saying who's been mean to each other. and
2: Yeah. Well, high school can be brutal. Yeah.
0: No, it yeah. can be. My nephew has just started high school. But, yeah, so he, he'll be going into that. But Evan you dived into this and you had seen the movie before yeah of course cuz
3: i have a well I had a you had moderately good taste no i had i had a stepdaughter oh okay. yeah so yeah. of course i've seen this film <laughs> Yeah, Many, many times Oh, it's great
0: It's so funny
3: But no, it's an, it's an absolute classic film And yeah, I of course, someone's made a musical about it Well, they made a movie Tina Fey did it They, yeah, I was getting I know, I know okay, Yeah, a,
0: sorry, sure
3: I was just finding out that it Tina Fey? Did she direct the film or write the film? She wrote the film Wrote the film Yeah and So what was her involvement in the musical? Did she do the music or? She wrote it Wrote the book and then, okay, gotcha Yeah So heavily involved. Yes. And her husband wrote the music. So, yeah, right off the bat, this is excellent. Yeah. Okay. This is so well written and so well put together. It reminds me of Book of Mormon. Okay. the, The crafting of the songs. You know, the whole narrative's in there. It's funny. There's no filler. There's nothing made me cringe. The music's clever, the lyrics are clever, uh, the singing is just top shelf. And finally, the the one song that really reminded me of Book of Mormon was Stop, because it reminded me of Turn It Off. It's got that same hook. Yeah, that's what the one I was thinking of. That comes after Revenge Party, yes? Yeah. Two after, yeah, because Revenge Valley, Fearless, and then Stop. Yeah, because I first saw Stop the first time. I'm like, this this reminds me of another musical. It took me a few days to pin it down and it was turn it off. A very musical theater sound. That's yeah. True. Each song has its own character and they're all in that classic musical theater structure. You know, this is up there with like I said, Book of Mormon. Even, you know, I wasn't a fan of Hello Dolly, but I can hear that sort of classic musical feel to it. Every song is brilliant. Apex Predator really stands out. Sexy, which is talking about Halloween. I thought i will talking about me. <laughs> is funny even stupid with love you know they, they go into a, like a, a love ballad and it's funny it's clever it's well written it's well orchestrated it, it, the key changes are clever just everything about this thing is awesome absolutely loved it start to finish it got to the end and I actually went oh is that all and I had to put it on again wow oh.
0: yeah Wow. you don't say that much at all no you said that about the Lion King
3: because Lion King's excellent but yeah, it's more, it's the way it's all put together The way it's written Whoever wrote the music itself Yeah, that's
0: Jeff Richmond, Tina Fey's husband Right, he's good He's very good He wrote
3: the theme song to 30
0: Rock and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt
3: Yeah, I mean, even right from the start Where she's telling the story of of being in the savannah And, and the music changes Ah, every, every song is excellent Yeah I could not find a bad song <laughs> It's easily a five out of five it, it, What? Yeah, easy. I loved it. I'm so surprised. Loved everything about it. It's clever. Like I said, I'll just be, be, be repeating myself. You know, it's clever. It's funny. It's well made. It's well written. It's well played. It's well sung. You
0: don't have to be nice because Amali wasn't in it. No. Or sang on it. So
3: I know. He's not bullshitting here at all. Yeah. Not that he ever bullshits, really, but yeah. <laughs> mm. No, this being modern as well as a big tick, everything is just so much. Crisper and cleaner, and the recording is just absolutely perfect. Loved it, start to finish. Not a bad song on it. Everyone is awesome. Everyone has their big, big notes, their moments to shine. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I was blown away by how good it was. I it. said it's up there with Book of Mormon or you know Spring Awakening, and and fits in with you know your classic musicals like your Hello Dollys and things like that. It's the, just the way it's put together. It's your classic musical. How a musical should be done.
0: Interesting. Mm. I, I'm surprised I really am turns out maybe you
3: could almost be a cool dad after all <laughs> that's why my notes are so sparse because uh, for Mean Girls anyway it was just like I don't I don't need notes I just I love it I love all of it
2: you sound like you love it even more than Tool
3: yeah that was <laughs> a lot more enthusiastic oh <laughs> you'll see even Tool have their you know songs that are a little hard to listen to mm. and this didn't have anything like that yeah You know, there was no, like I said, nothing made me cringe. There were no lyrics where you just, you know, slap your forehead and go, oh, come on. There was none of that. Mm. It was all clever all the way through every verse, every chorus, even to the point of not really reprising. You know, I hate it when they just reprise a song as is and they just sing it again, except with the whole ensemble. Drives me nuts. You know, whereas a clever reprise where they'll just do a callback, you know, so much more effective.
0: Now, Marley, did you enjoy this as much as Evan did? I'm I'm shocked.
2: I mean, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much
0: as <laughs> you did, Evan.
2: My God. No, I mean, I really enjoyed it and I, I love the movie. So there's a lot of goodwill already and it's nice to yep. already know the story. I think that definitely mm. helped. Yep. I love whoever's playing Janice. I think she's amazing. I loved her voice. Barrett. Yeah, she was great. I felt like she really stood out to me. I liked it. I saw that. So Tina Fey's husband, yeah, who did the music for 30 Rock and Kimmy Schmidt and Girls 5 Ever as well, like everything that Tina Fey does. He did the music, but then someone else wrote the lyrics.
0: That was uh, Nell Benjamin
2: yeah i just felt like at times just because i'm a super fan of mean girls the movie i felt like it lost the to- the comedic tone in some of the songs i didn't feel like they were as funny as they could have been sometimes It's fair i mean that was still funny but yeah i don't know just they they lost a little bit of the edge at times and i felt like the first half was definitely a lot stronger and then yeah, I think I just kind of it got a bit manic towards the end
0: for me.
3: That's yeah, that's a problem with a lot of musicals though.
2: Yeah, because they have to keep adding and adding and adding and adding and
3: And they peaked in the middle with Revenge Party. I, I've had that stuck in my head constantly.
2: Yeah, yeah. Extremely catchy. I liked all the songs, but I didn't care for whose house is this? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought, yeah, the casting of Janice was like, she was exactly like Janice from the movie, which I loved. Yeah. And Damien was pretty close. And Gretchen Wieners was really close as well. I thought they nailed the characters. I didn't really feel like Katie was as, like, I don't know, maybe just, I'm probably just too tired to the movie. I mean, I'm expecting a certain thing. But um, what do you think?
0: Me? Um, well... I don't like it, to be honest. Really? I didn't I think there's too much pop. I don't like the pop sound in this. It's not good pop, right? Um in the staging, there was too much video screens. I'm if I want to watch Mean Girls the fucking movie, I will watch Mean Girls the movie and save myself $150. Goodness me. I didn't think there was any individuality in the character songs. Yeah. When a song started. I couldn't immediately tell what character this was about to be or whatnot, and so...
2: I had the same problem. They mm. all just sounded yep.
0: like young girls and boys to me, really. Oh, my God, I suddenly sound really fucking old. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you you did It's because you're really fucking old
0: Yeah, You really did um, yeah. it, it saddens me because I think this is a missed opportunity There is so much love for Mean Girls And there are so many movie to musicals out there But this being so massively popular And having, I mean it's got two Blondie songs in the soundtrack Even though Blondie doesn't sing the first one Rip her to shreds Which is one of my all-time favourite songs But they use a cover of it, don't they? And then they use one way or another. They could have easily just put that on stage, but they didn't. They took the time to write new songs. So I have respect Hmm. for that. And I I would go see it because quite often what we're hearing on the the albums is not entirely how it's going to sound on stage. Not only is it live, Hmm. which... We all know live music sounds different, but there is also, there'll be dialogue or there might be a set change in the middle of a song. There might be something that happens that breaks up the song that we're hearing on a CD. So what might be three minutes on a CD is actually five or six minutes on stage with all Mm. the staging that goes on. So there's all that to add into it. Although if the staging is bloody video screens, oh my goodness gracious me, I'll just go to the cinema for crying out loud. That's $10. Um, So I I thought like it could have gone down the route of like, I think Clueless is a jukebox musical. Another beloved film with a beloved soundtrack could have given us something original. Um, Footloose, another one just using a soundtrack from the movie. Dirty Dancing, same deal. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But then I look at Hairspray. I look at Billy Elliot and the Full Monty and everything that, Bloody David Yasbek touches because the man is a genius. Even legally blonde could have been this. It could have just been some cheesy. Well, I thought I think this is cheesy in in a way, but I, I well, I mean girls, no, it's, it's not so much cheesy. I just don't think it sounds as catchy as what legally blonde ended up being, which is something that yeah puts a smile on my face every time because the performances are there, the, the songs are catchy and fun. I can sing along to them, they're, they're memorable. Um, you're right with Revenge Party being a catchy song, but apart from that Revenge Party, a party that ends, that's about as far as I get in terms of remembering the lyrics
3: there. With somebody's head on a spike. That's it, well, I- Because it's a party with a revenge, that's what it's like. I've got it stuck in my head. Yeah, but that's how much a plateau <laughs> is for me, as
0: opposed to, again, Hairspray, which that the music is fucking amazing. Even Big Fish. Yeah. I thought that the songs in that are absolutely amazing. Um, I can't really think of any more off the top of my head. You enjoyed Young Frankenstein, Evan.
3: Yeah, I was going to say Tina Fey is like is female Mel Brooks at this point. She is, but the movie is. The, the The movie,
0: what I love about it is it's written like a sitcom, is that there is the one-two punch of the, the setup yeah, there's
2: no missed opportunities there is
0: no missed opportunities but there is also the slapstick comedy and there is also a mean edge to it and there is also but an innocent sort of point of view with with the way we approach it with katie coming in from you know living in africa and and obviously the the, the ditzy characters but there's also this a really important underlying message which isn't underlying really it bashes us over the head quite unashamedly and it doesn't turn us off like it would normally so the movie I think is one of the strongest comedies overall out there but the musical I just thought no I'm I this is not something I would want to put on again not like the first time I heard Hairspray I was dancing around yeah so yeah I'm sorry Evan (laughs) what are you apologizing (laughs) to me
3: for I don't know
2: this is a real yeah twist isn't it
3: yeah, there's only a yeah, sometimes it, it just gets completely turned on his head and he'll mm. love the metal album and oh, I'll hate yeah. the musical. That's the beauty of this show though. And but yeah, no, because I I
0: like I I talked about um I think it was in last week's episode that we recorded, so I don't have no idea when it's gonna air at the moment. Um, about turning the sound down while watching a movie, because if you can tell the story that is happening, um, then they've succeeded in terms of filmmaking because everything is clear that the, the Acting Mm. is clear. You don't need subtitles. Funnily
3: enough is what I was doing this morning. I had anime, anime yeah. in my headphones and then I just had all of the tool videos playing on the TV with the sound down. Oh, no, this is a little bit different because we're talking about a <laughs> narrative
0: here, a tiny, yeah. tiny bit different. Uh-huh. Um, you needed to watch some tool videos. I did tell you to. Yeah, I know. But the point of watching it was, and I only did it for about 20 minutes, was to see: is this still a funny movie? If I can't hear these punchlines, is this still a funny movie? And it was because the performances are there. The characters are there. They're, they're defined okay. Every single character is defined They're not in this musical Which is why it saddens me That this is a missed opportunity And it gets one and a half stars from
3: me Oh Damn. That's Damn. harsh
2: Yeah, I think that's why Janice um, stood out so much Because she was ex- she was characterized really well And performed really clearly,
0: yeah. don't you think? Yeah, and Damien he had that song That is the musical theatre song with the rest of the album, it didn't fit. Not like Turn It Up or Turn It Off in Book of Mormon, where the rest of the songs in Book of Mormon aren't pop songs. They are musical theatre songs. <clears throat> as, as Bert Labonte said on the show, they have written a balls-out musical, a, the purest <clears throat> form of musical. This isn't. And that's what I
3: would argue this is.
0: I don't, oh. but I don't agree with you there <laughs> because I think they are still trying <laughs> for that pop element and with all the technology and the video screens, they are trying to appeal oh. to a young audience that I don't think they need to because yep. the love for Mean Girls is there.
2: I feel like it was sort of somewhere in the middle. Like, it, it didn't really commit either way. Like, some of the songs were quite, not, like, classic musical theatre and then others were sort of pop. Yeah. But I think it would have been really strong, like, if they made more of a... It's uh, just my opinion, about like if they made a stronger choice and um, committed to music from that period, like really went with pop from that time or just went fully music theatre.
0: Yes. No, I, I 100% agree which is why Legally Blonde works. I'm saying
2: it. I have to take your word for it.
0: We are going to do it one day. Eventually, I figure it's Legally Blonde, so Evan will, you know, it'll probably drive him nuts.
3: I would have seen it many, many times because, you know, I've had a stepdaughter. Uh, True. That's the movie. Of that period. That movie as
0: well is one of those perfect, I think, Australian movies with a budget because that's not a a Hollywood comedy. Legally Blonde Mm. is an Australian. It was an
2: Australian director, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it's
0: an Australian comedy that's what that is it's got that australian feeling to it that that priscilla that muriel's wedding that the castle that that real sort of daggy quality to it i think that the rest of that's them have. yeah so if you were to give eight, both albums a score amali what would you give them so i have deciding factor here
2: tool for me i appreciate yeah. the skill and the lyricism but it's, i did find it like it was a bit long for me <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> like I found myself being like is this finished
1: yeah um I agree
2: but yeah so I guess I would say yeah I mean I, I don't want to enrage anyone but yeah like maybe like three and a half stars out of five
0: yeah for me? you yeah. you've seriously you've just been killed by Thanos I don't think you need to worry about pissing off metal fanboys, Somali <laughs> <laughs>
2: And then Mean Girls, yeah, I guess I would say two and a
0: half,
2: three,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, that's more generous than me.
2: Yeah, it's probably because we love it so much.
0: Yeah, there is that, like, it is one of those movies that gets quoted all the time.
2: Yeah, 100%.
0: Those one-liners, those punchlines have worked their way into society's vernacular and, you know, as I said, there is that, that deeper meaning of how we treat each other and it was just disappointing. It really was. So maybe it's better live. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's tough to judge. Yeah, it'd be good to see the whole thing.
0: Yeah, that's it. Oh. Okay, someone's about to go to the toilet. Anyways, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> God. I think um the burn book is now ashes. No, okay. Well, we got ah <laughs> uh,
3: oh, the burn book. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Good on me. Anyways, back. <laughs> I'm recording. <laughs> I'm recording. Well, we're gonna hear your way. <laughs>
3: Don't think they care. <laughs> God.
0: G'day listeners, Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of thrash and treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. After barely three hours of light sleep, Toniston Turnbull slowly opens his eyes, his body feeling heavier than it ever has before, not from extra weight, from tiredness and stress. Polly sighs in the shadows behind him, the flame of the nearest barbed wire tiki torch tower having died down, but not out, while Toniston napped. Are you awake? Toniston whispers. Oh, How can I sleep in this place? Polly moans, turning onto her side and facing Toniston, who stays on his back, imagining obscure animal-esque shapes in the rusted tin roof above them, shadows faintly formed by the nearest dying torches. We need to work out a way to get out of here, Toniston states the obvious. He whispers, despite the fact the nearest shacks to their own are several metres away, and the occupants presumably asleep, as most prisoners seem to be. How? There's no fence to squeeze through, or even climb, Polly replies, sitting up in bed and then stretching out her sore arms. The hairs stand on end from the slight chill in the air. I don't know, but I think the whole fighting thing is a distraction. You mean, to distract the other prisoners when new ones arrive? No, I I think that was just bad timing. Didn't you notice? Toniston goes on to explain his theory. That fight happened. Everybody gathered around. I didn't see one person who wasn't watching. And then when I vomited, the only gate in this place closed shut. What are you trying to say? I think something happened when everyone's back was turned. Like what? Whispers Polly, her voice breaking up in fear. I don't know. That's what we've got to find out. Toniston's brain starts working overtime, but it's strange that nobody seems to want to leave. They seem almost... happy. Definitely content. So, when's the next one of those stupid beatdowns? Toniston can't help but think Polly looks tough, almost evil in the shadows, as she asks, I don't know, Toniston begins. But both teenagers are distracted by a crumbling noise in the distance. Hopping out of bed toniston joins polly on her own equally uncomfortable one spotting a large white package hovering close to the cave ceiling behind it a shadowy figure the package is lowered down causing the teenagers themselves to lower as well hoping not to be spotted by whom or what may be operating this obscure crane over a long slow descent the package is dropped to the ground polly keeps her eyes on it but toniston looks up immediately spotting a large black shadow scurry away to god only knows where come he whispers as he quietly hops off her bed slipping into his docks with bare feet polly follows his lead careful to keep watch on all directions the teenagers swiftly sneak over to the white package their hearts beating an almost tribal jam in perfect harmony and stopping in their tracks as the sudden realisation of what lies before them sinks in. A woman, seemingly in her early twenties, wrapped up in bandages from the neck down. No, not bandages. Is that... spiderweb? Polly asks, completely mortified at the prospect. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Anyways, we're back with Fresh and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Evan, and we are joined by the amazing Amali Golden. Every single time, I don't know why I've known you as Golden for maybe seven years. How long you've been married? Goodness, about seven years? Yeah,
2: seven seven years,
3: yeah. Yeah, I still go to call you Amali Ward. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I ended up uh, completely backwards. I was, you know, doing research. And I'm like, who's this Amali Ward? Oh, I, yeah. I thought it was Amali Golden. Maybe it's a stage name.
2: I know, it sounds like a stage name. Yeah. But you probably wouldn't make up something so obvious.
3: Yeah, but it is
0: perfect to come from Asgard. Like, that's just gold (laughs) all over. Yeah, ideal. Which is um, probably the one thing I didn't like about any of those Thor movies was the CGI gold. It does not work in movies. Hollywood, stop doing it. It looks ugly. My goodness me. I don't think so. It doesn't come up nice. It either looks yellow or it just look brown. It, it never looks That's
2: such a specific criticism.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you should have heard me last week with because um actually you're gonna your episode's gonna air before his. We've got an actor from Eternals coming up, and there was something in that movie that drove me nuts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, you're one of those, you're one of those people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm one of those people. Like I could be I could like everything could be really crazy. Shang Chi loved every minute of it until loved I was, it. Yeah. But when Aquafina shot that bow and arrow from the ground and got the fucking dragon up in the sky, I was like, nah, I'm out. That's completely <laughs> impossible. No, nah, Everything like, else. Like is I said, fine. you
3: you must have gone to the bathroom during the training montage.
2: Yeah, exactly. She had about five ten minutes of solid training.
3: Yeah, solid and and, and dragon armor. That's doubling. <laughs> get your points for something. Got to count
2: for something, yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that was plus not... ten armor. That was not a Joe Esposito, you're the best around karate kid moment. That was. <laughs> There was terrible training, and even as the battle started, her trainer didn't want to let her go out onto the battlefield. He knew she wasn't ready, and yet somehow she managed to shoot. No, no, that's that arrow was either.
2: Look, Stranger Things have happened.
0: That arrow had superpowers. <laughs> yeah, I know Stranger Things have happened. It's the Marvel universe, but <laughs> she's not a superpowered character. That's what I just, mm-hmm. yeah, and it bugged me about it now. But you were, because As Guardians are. Ah, Superpowered regardless. But of course, your your character name you, was Scourge's date. I'm like, no way. So did you give yourself a character name?
2: I didn't know. I was as guardian date, number two.
0: Number two, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> number one, because when you first see you two, you are center screen. The other one is is off to the side. So you are number one yeah. there. Because your eye first goes to you.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, I appreciate it, but on the contract, the contract's said different. <laughs>
0: I've named you Fabulisa.
2: Oh, that's nice.
0: Yeah, the other one doesn't have a name because she is date number one, apparently. No, not <laughs> in my books. Okay, now hypothetically, let's just say you did survive your character. Fabulisa, as we're calling her now, survived the attacks from Halla and Thanos and you settled on Earth, but did you survive the blimp? Would you have survived that or did you disappear for five years?
2: <laughs> um. She's already been through so much. Can't she just, can't she survive the flip? Yeah. Can't we give her that?
0: Yeah, we'll allow her that. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm curious because obviously that's a lot of green screen. Yeah. And that scene in particular where they were is obviously a lot of CGI being used. To what extent was there set? Was there any, obviously you were sitting on something. Yeah. But was that actually painted or was that green screen?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a whole set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a whole set, but then obviously, this is the dragon was green screened. Um, the slime was real. Yeah, they shot it out of a cannon. Oh, fun! Yeah, <laughs> so glam, the glamorous world of film.
0: Yes, it looks like paint clearly, yeah. like, but obviously it would be yeah, safe. Yeah. I would.
2: It was like some kind of cornflower yeah. slime thing. I think. Yeah, edible.
0: Yeah, because the costume obviously wasn't simple. There was detail in it.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It was crazy like like the attention to detail on those movies is so insane yeah
0: that's why i ask
2: but yeah i'm pretty sure they had like six copies of that obviously because it had to get covered in slime and it was so detailed and and our hair and everything was like it took ages to do and because they have so much to do on those sets like there were a couple of days where we got into full costume and hair and makeup and everything and then we didn't even end up getting called to set because they ran late with something else yeah yeah it was just pretty amazing machine to be part of
0: that's why i ask about it because attention to detail is there and you see it in the film and you can tell when maybe not the normal person out there but you can typically tell when material like clothing in a film or tv looks cheap yeah and it never looks cheap all these Asgardian costumes that they had to make
2: oh yeah all
0: the the extras and all that
2: it's insane
3: i've actually wondered and i've noticed it with the costumes in a lot of marvel films not just the main characters but side characters as well Mm -hmm. i'm guessing that the weave of the fabric is intentionally um open big i'm not a seamstress i don't know the the terms Mm -hmm. but in order that you know the camera you know even if I'm watching it in, in measly old 1080p yeah I can still see the weave in the material so like in real life is it I don't know more open than it would normally be in a normal shirt sort of thing
2: I don't know actually but I know that like all of those details are considered and it's pretty amazing like they're just so good at their jobs like every single person on those productions but I, I honestly I, I don't know about that but it was luxe, whatever they made it out of. Like, they <laughs> <laughs> they wanted it to look, you know, royal, and it
3: did. Yeah, see, it was something I've noticed with um Fantastic Beasts, the costumes in that. Like, all the collars are really fat, and all their cuffs are really fat, mm. just so you can see the weave curve around this cuff. You know, I'm sure they're getting custom material for it. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. They make everything. They're not going to Kmart.
0: <laughs>
2: it's not off the rack
0: no no yeah definitely not off the rack was an Australian costume designer I can't remember on on Thor because I know it was on Shang-Chi I
2: actually can't remember now yeah I'm pretty sure yeah yeah but like they go from these productions like all around the world like I'll be working on some Marvel thing here and then it's in London or whatever Um, But I can't remember now, to be honest. I was a bit overwhelmed at the time.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. Um, It's funny because for Christmas, my nephew got me this big, beautiful Loki mug. On this side of it, it's got the Loki logo painted in gold. Oh,
2: that's sweet.
0: I could look how huge that is. It's the size of my head. Mm. And When I first got it, like I always do, put it in the dishwasher and it took the logo off on Christmas morning. (laughs) On the first day. (laughs) (laughs) First day I got it. Merry Christmas to me. So sad. I was so disappointed there because who doesn't want to wrap their lips around Loki? Anyways, (laughs) we're going to move on. Now, who would be in your VH1 Divas Live lineup?
2: Okay. So, how many do I get? Five. Okay. All right. Aretha Franklin? Aretha, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's a pretty big deal.
2: Whitney Houston. Yep. Beyonce. Five. Do I need five? Well, those three. I
0: don't know. I, I'm happy with three. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a pretty full on concert, Just the three of them. Definitely. Yeah. Moving on. X Factor. Yeah. You got through to, I believe the home rounds, the quote unquote home rounds, which I'm sure it wasn't yeah. Red Foo's home. No. That they were inviting you into, but. They send you all the way to Las Vegas and you got eliminated. How was that turning around, coming back? Evan thinks this is a stupid question because he's like, who wouldn't want to go to Vegas? But when your hopes and dreams have just been pulled away from you, Evan, to have to fly 19 hours home, that can't be a good feeling, surely. That's a long flight. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it is a long flight. I mean, it's, yeah, it's both. I mean, I was disappointed at the time, but... Yeah, I was just to get a free trip to Las Vegas. It would have been nice to continue, but it's not the end of the world. Like, I didn't feel like it was, like, my career ending. I guess it would be worse if going all the way to the Bachelor finale or something with someone that you think you're in love with and you're about to start your life with and then flying back from Fiji or wherever. That would be much worse. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like on the scale of reality rejection, it's it's not that high.
0: Yeah, and a couple of like literally two years later, you are on a film set for Thor Ragnarok of all movies.
2: Yeah, I think it was probably kind of good because it made me it probably made me reevaluate whether I wanted to keep doing the same thing or not. And then I just discovered that I love acting, so it kind of all worked out in the end.
0: And obviously, you'd had enough experience in front of the camera because we had seen you on a few commercials every now and then you'd pop up
2: yeah yeah commercials are fun i've done yeah. some pretty fun ones
0: i do remember there was one i can't remember what it was i think it was did you sing or there was something
2: oh yeah i did one for amy where i sang what about me that's right yeah that wasn't one of my best ones
0: No, <laughs> that was a whole bunch of people singing wasn't it
2: yes Yeah. Uh, yes i think so can't remember now
0: Yeah, just in terms of X Factor, did those mentors actually mentor you guys? Because I think it's a load of codswallop, if you ask me. Like, it's all just for the camera. (laughs) Well,
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, that's right. Like, they, it's not like, it's very manufactured, obviously, like all of these shows are now. I think it's kind of interesting because it was very different. It was like 10 years after Idol, so reality TV's, evolved so much since then and now it's kind of like a well-oiled machine but back when we were on Idol we did choose our own songs like you could literally choose any song so a lot of the songs were really obscure sometimes but now it's kind of like it feels like the producers have a list of hundred songs that are always on shows yeah they do and you always see people singing the same song so I definitely missed that element of those shows when you really got to know that person as an artist and what they actually liked because you don't get that same choice now
0: no you don't yeah which is what I actually off topic and i can hear evan groaning already what i like when they do on drag race split up the entrance episode so you get like six or seven on one episode and you get six or seven on the other one
3: yeah because
0: then we get to learn who they
3: are yeah look i don't watch any reality shows at all
2: <laughs> having said that
3: yeah. But having said that,
2: <laughs> my,
3: my wife does love Married at First Sight. Oh, Godfathers. Oh, okay. And they do that yeah. where they introduce two couples per episode. So the introductions take like two weeks.
2: Yeah.
3: But, yes, you otherwise you would just get a barrage of characters and you don't get to, get to know any of them. Mm. And then you don't care about any of them and you switch off. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see why it's necessary really
0: that's producers tightening the screws so that they're in control of the output that's all it is they're worried that audiences lose faith so they tighten the reins and bring the show in and with song choices it comes down to money at the end of the day so they will go to certain mm. record companies and say, can we have a certain amount of songs for a discount price? Or mm. however they do it, this is the layman's terms, if you will. And they, they make deals, basically. So that's why there's a list of songs.
2: Mm. But it's not like they're cheap songs. Like, they're always, like, you know, massive hits. It's just some you get sick of saying the same songs. So, like, can only be sung in so many ways, a lot of those ones.
3: Yeah. It reminds me, if I remember reading somewhere about Home and Away, with, you know, the show itself has a deal with only one record label. So all the songs in the Bayside Diner were all from the same label.
2: Yeah, yeah, to be the same publisher. I think Neighbours was the same.
0: In terms of acting, I am so proud. I really am to see you because that season in particular, like season one of Vital was pretty cool, but season two was I just thought incredibly strong also yourself because you were top 10 and you have gone on to this amazing blossoming career that is going from strength to strength as I say you've just become a final girl that is an illustrious group of characters to be in but what was your first major lesson that you learned on set in terms of acting not not reality
2: before I actually decided to going to acting I was on Neighbours they cast me to come on as myself so that was when I was Amalie Ward so singer-songwriter Amalie Ward comes to town and it was this whole storyline where Paul Robinson gives me this song but he's stolen it from this other girl and she didn't want to give it up and then I find out the truth and I confront Paul Robinson and We had a couple of scenes, me and Stefan Dennis, who plays Paul Robinson. Yeah, he gave me my first bit of acting advice, which was to close my mouth when I'm listening because I was just standing there like gaping like a fish. So he was like, oh, yeah, it might be might be good very nicely but that was actually very helpful advice and i it's so funny when i watch that now like because i just hadn't done any acting training at that point and then i thought how hard could it be to play myself
0: oh it's hard but
2: the answer is it's hard yeah yeah because i was terrible
0: I have to do it on this show when my audio is terrible. I have to re-record the ADR.
2: Oh, yeah. But I
0: have to make it sound like it's exactly the same as it was or it sounds completely different like in The Simpsons.
2: Yeah. Camp Krusty. like oh, yes. Mr. Black.
0: That's that. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. it. <True. laughs> yeah yeah so and it is hard because you're not in that natural flow of conversation that you normally are mid-sentence
2: yeah no I had to do a lot of ADR for Blackwater Abyss yeah like all those final scenes because the water was so loud because it was splashing around we had to re-record all of that and like I was like hysterically crying because I thought my friend was dead so I had to like do that again in the booth like
0: that was really challenging the next day I'd completely lost my voice how much location shooting was there on that because obviously a lot up a studio
2: yeah it was like a week of location stuff in that river it was like the coldest day in Brisbane in four years or something and it was a freshwater river like it was freezing
0: so that screaming was real basically
2: yeah the environment helped a lot for sure
0: method acting yeah yeah. You know when when that car drove off I laughed when you swerved off the road I'm like of course there's it was too I know filmmaking and I know the tone and I know when a film is finished And I knew this was not finished. Something is going (laughs) to happen. And as soon as we see the road and it's blocked off and that car swerved off, and I'm like, those stupid bitches, of course they do, like end up in the fucking water, don't they? And then the the crocodile, which a minute ago was in the cave, is suddenly now in the bloody lake. But the whole movie, I was actually sitting there shouting at you guys, just poke it in the fucking eye. Blind it. (laughs) Just blind it and then kill it. It's too dark. It was too dark. The truth. Uh, Now, what is the scariest creature that you have swum with in real life, not in a movie?
2: Oh, in real life, in Red Six, I think it was, we went to New Caledonia and um, there was a stonefish in the water. That was pretty scary.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, they'll mess you up.
2: Yeah, they're pretty deadly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about
3: you, Evan? Have you ever sung with anything crazy besides your brothers? No, other than the usual, you know, stung by a random jellyfish. Yeah, yeah. no, nothing I can, nothing I can think of.
0: I've done stingrays and sharks, but the sharks were tiny, so they technically they were just big
3: fish. Really? Oh, actually, no. Well, I wasn't swimming, but in New Zealand, I would have been about four or five, I guess. Dad had a boat, and they would go fishing every chance they got, and it was a decent-sized boat, so they could go a couple of k's out. And yeah, one day he pulled this bloody stingray on board and it was enormous. And it was like, kids, get down, get in the bunks, get away. (laughs) This, this enormous bloody stingray is flopping all over the deck. It's
0: crazy. Oh, fun.
3: So they're pretty, they're pretty scary, but I wasn't in the water. Yeah, but they're beautiful. Well, you got to chuck it back, obviously, but you know, you have to pull it up to chuck it back. They're only Mm. scary because of Steve Irwin. That's the only reason why.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's very, yeah. It's a nationwide trauma.
0: Yeah. They're big and angry when they're out of water. We were in Morea, which is Tahiti, basically. It's an island near Tahiti. And it is, look it up, it is like the most fucking gorgeous place on this earth. It is paradise. So if I was going to die anywhere, I was completely fine dying there. I really like <laughs> why not? I was more worried about missing the ship because we had to get back there by six o'clock. Or well, they would have sailed away without us and we would have been stuck in Morea, which probably wouldn't have been as fun. And yeah, anyways. <laughs> Well, mm-hmm. okay, you obviously had your solo album yeah. back in
3: time, which you released nearly 10 years ago now. I
2: know.
3: Sorry, I was looking on, on Spotify. Is it under your old name then? Yeah. Uh, for God's sake, that's that's annoying.
2: Yeah, it is annoying.
3: Because, yeah, I was looking around. I was trying to find more stuff and, and I'm going, why is there only one song here? Yeah. And then I found more on YouTube um, and that's where I realised the name had changed. But, yeah. You should be able to change that.
2: Yeah, I know. I don't. It was released as a Marley Ward. Like that's what it's that's what it is on the front. Yeah,
0: true. It's just mm. yeah.
2: What are you gonna do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, put a track on there that's called a Marley Golden, so that it will come up in search. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh yeah, now we're getting somewhere. Well, yeah, I probably just need to have
0: a better website. Eddie plans to record a new one? Two years. It's been two years now. Yeah, wow, it's crazy.
2: I released an EP in 2019 as Golds. So that's my new music project, which felt like enough of a departure. And I had a new name. So I was like, I may as well just have a pseudonym as well. Yeah. Yeah, I do plan on doing some more stuff as Golds. But I've just been busy I've had a baby You did And that's been taking up A lot of my time yeah. With her
0: Congratulations Thanks Oh how old She
2: turns one Next week
0: <laughs> Oh wow <laughs> oh oh adorable because I do remember when you posted the photo and it was you sitting on a fence and Bo had his hand on your stomach and I was like oh yay oh yeah So excited so I'm like these two are so gorgeous they're gonna have the most adorable children I hate them both for crying out loud (laughs) some of us are single Uh, but anyways I've come to the end of my questions So, yes, we won't keep you any longer because obviously we've had some problems. For those at home, we have had, it's been a disastrous recording. I'm dying in this room. The internet has dropped out. I lost my notes. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And, of course, there was Evan. (laughs) You did a good job today. And I just, I cannot believe that you liked Mean Girls, the musical.
3: Love Mean Girls. The most. Mean Girls is excellent. Yeah. Wow. I am. Gagged and gooped <laughs> Yeah, no, it's great Occasionally some weeks you'll give me something I like And I, I get to listen to Tool all week And a musical I actually like So it's not so much of a chore But I don't always get stuff that I like
0: Yeah, I don't try to give you things you like Yeah, no, that's not the point of it Try to give me stuff that's going to open my mind And educate me and piss me off at the same time I
3: just gave you Tool and He's
0: whinging, God Yeah, I know, and it didn't piss me off, did it? So you failed there <sighs> Uh, No, but I I did enjoy it and I appreciate it. And I gave it four stars because of the green jelly connection. Uh, Now, just actually, lastly, are you going to be following the upcoming revival? I don't know why Channel 7 is buying all of Channel 10's old shows. What are they doing? But they're doing Australian Idol.
2: Oh, yeah, I did see that. They said that. That was a while ago that they announced that, but I haven't heard anything new Ah. about it. I mean, look, I probably won't be, to be honest. I think it no. gives me, <laughs> it gives me flashbacks when I watch these shows now. I think I've had my fair share of them. Like, more power to everyone involved, but yeah, I've had enough.
3: And who the hell has <laughs> the time, really, to invest in in? Hours and hours and hours, Ooh, 40 hours of freaking telly a week.
2: I'm too busy watching Drag Race. Oh, well,
3: there you go. Yeah, well, that's Drag Race, though. That's allowed.
0: Yeah. But, <laughs> as, and at least Drag Race has gone from strength to strength and they're listening to the audience. Idol didn't. Yeah. Idol didn't. And as, even in America, as the show went on, they took away more and more things that the audience liked. And one of the things that I always had time for that I always appreciated and why I liked the show was that the semi-finals were just you guys and a piano. Mm. There wasn't an audience. There wasn't any big major spectacle. It was an audition. Yeah, totally. You guys auditioned for us. And that's what I liked about it just because that's what it felt like. It it felt like going into an audition with a piano. And yet they don't do it anymore. That I would watch.
2: Yeah, and it was about the contestants. Like now it's about the personality of the judges. Um,
0: Yeah, and branding.
2: Yeah, it's lost its, I don't know, like, I just feel like back in the day, it was so fresh when we were doing it. it I don't know. It's hard to recreate that kind of, like, excitement as well because it was a new format yeah. back in the day. But I'll definitely be curious. So,
0: I'll, look, I'll, I'll watch the first episode. And if they can get me with that first episode, then I'll. I might watch it, maybe. You'll watch it. Possibly. <laughs> I'm not traumatised by getting kicked out back in 2004. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I think it's a funny memory. Um but no, look we're yeah. getting 15 seasons of Drag Race this year, so
2: That's perfect.
0: I'm going to be absolutely fine. And again, yeah. thank you so much for letting us for those at home Amali let us use her wonderful song Knock You Out, which is for a podcast that we had done a year ago and well over a year ago now and then it got five episodes in and we stopped one of us fell pregnant and the other one moved across the country and thrash and treasure took over so
2: yeah it's for the best i mean there's like a thousand drag race podcasts
3: yeah there is so all
2: right it's (laughs) crazy
3: Sounds like there's a thousand different drag race shows. There, there
2: are. is. And it's still not enough for me.
0: No, it's not enough for me either. <laughs> Who's going to win the next this season? No, I can't bag it cuz I haven't seen any of them, so.
2: Oh it's
0: great you've got to we'll do a podcast you can edit it i'm gonna make you watch every episode of drag race <laughs> but we'll have to do something with it yeah they can't just be one of those shows because that's what they're all are they're all just recap shows mm. which is what we didn't want to do with ours yeah we wanted it to be something fun and funny and irreverent and rude and
2: yeah.
0: in your face and exactly what drag is that's yeah yeah um but who is gonna win season 14 i'm gonna write down your guess
2: uh look, I don't know if they will actually win, but my favorite is cornbread for now.
0: Cornbread, yeah, she is fabulous.
2: Yeah, I loved her original song. It was so good.
0: Yeah, I'm on the willow pill train.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> but her name is so annoying to say.
0: It is, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, and we've got celebrity coming up. We've got UK versus the world. There's they're currently filming in New Zealand at the moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyways, Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. No,
2: thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: Pleasure. Yes, it's been a disaster. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Anyways, you go. You've got a child. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Yeah.
2: Thanks. This was fun.
0: Anyways, a huge thanks to Amali for joining us. What a wonderful person and talent she is. It is so remarkable watching her career blossom right before our very eyes. Anyway, she had to run off. Obviously, she's got a child, so we can find her on the socials under@ at Amali Golden and be sure to check out her music which you'll find under Amali Ward, Amali Golden, and Golds. And you can find us at Thrush and Treasure on Twitter, Facebook, at Thrush and Treasure Podcast on Instagram. And if you look up Blooming Theatricals you'll find I'm also putting all these episodes online as videos with no video because nobody needs to see me looking like a rat at three o'clock in the morning which has been at least one of the times we've recorded. Anyway, we're going to leave you with Gold's new single, Drip. So take care, and we shall see you next time. Hooroo! Thank you.
2: Yeah, I'm seeking